the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow here with you as your host and future Supreme Court Justice of the United States. Maybe I'm on somebody's short list. You never know how you end up on those lists. Well, I guess you do know you got to be some kind of judge. And uh, I did go to law school. Did you know that? I went to law school and uh, it was a I went for one year, one year in law school. At the end of the law school, I kind of figured that this wasn't really God's call in my life. I had a strong sense that God did not want me to become a lawyer after all. And that was confirmed when the law school sent me a letter saying that they also did not want me to become a lawyer. So sometimes God just answers prayers and he just makes things really clear for you right like that. Anyway, welcome to our show today. We have a very special program for you today. Today, uh, in fact, is Biola University, you know, Biola Bible Institute of Los Angeles, Biola University's 114th anniversary. And uh, February 25th, so we are celebrating this. The school and many organizations related to Biola Alumni Association and more has been celebrating iHeart's Biola Week. And uh, you know what? That is quite an accomplishment. And Biola means something uh, dear to many of us here at KKLA and KPRZ. It means something dear to my own family. My parents both graduated from Biola University 60, 60 years ago. And they actually will be on the program here this hour. And uh, we have some interviews from for staff. David James, Big Wave Dave, is down there in La Mirada, and he will interview some people from Biola. And I think we're going to have a very entertaining and fun show today and an encouraging show. And we need that, don't we? Because there's so much going on in the world. And what we're seeing with war in Ukraine and the uncertainty of where that leads and just the uncertainty in general about so many things today we can be completely certain in the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Nothing going on in the world is confusing to the Lord. He's not looking down and confused about what's happening in Ukraine. He's not looking down unexpecting those things. He knows, and all of this is in God's plan. And one of the reasons, and maybe one of the reasons that many of you are listening to this station, maybe a reason that some of you have accepted Christ in your life, or maybe some of you are wondering about it, is because you heard about Christ because you heard from a student, a graduate, a pastor, any other business person who was developed in their faith because they graduated at Biola. And uh, that is definitely very, very possible. Biola is a nationally ranked Christian university in the heart of Southern California, founded in 1908 and uh, was recently recognized as one of America's top 10 up-and-coming national universities by U.S. News and World Report. Um, And uh, Biola's nine schools offer more than 150 academic programs at the bachelor's, master's, and doctoral levels. And there's more than 6,000 students right there at the La Mirada campus. So that's pretty cool. And if you are a student or you're growing up or you're thinking about going to school, um, you should consider Biola University. Not only will you get a very good Christian education, but you're going to get a very good education. And during this segment, we have a very special guest with us. Our guest is Dr. Barry H. Corey. Barry Corey is the eighth president of Biola University. He's been in that role since 2007. 
and uh, things have gone very, very well for him, and we're looking forward to speaking with him. Dr. Corey, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you. It's great to be on Southern California Live, and you are so gracious to uh, give us some of your airtime today. So thank you, my brother. Well, we're really glad to have you. How are you doing today? Tell and us about yourself well. a little bit. Well, I am actually in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh-huh. I, I feel like a, um, um, a negligent parent leaving um, our birthday child on their birthday because um, <laughs> today Biola celebrates 114 years strong, yeah. and I have to be out of town for a very important event, but uh, I'm well, you, glad you... that I have an opportunity to, to, to say it through you. Yeah, when you're 114, you, you really don't put all the candles on the cake anymore, you know, so it's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, I think that, Thank you. yeah, the great news is that you can be uh, with us today. Hey, you know what? Tell us a little bit about the history of Biola. You've been there for uh, about 10% of its history, so you know quite a bit of it. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, well, I, I will tell you that, and thanks for saying and Thanks. I didn't know about your parents. Yeah, they're going to be on. In fact, um, my parents live in Surprise, Arizona. You could be next door. You could be interviewing them, for all we know. We had should we, be all, we, we should be together in the same room and uh, be able to talk together. I'd love to meet your parents and hear a little bit about their story, and I'll have to yeah, catch it a little bit later. Yeah, yeah they'll be on Viola a little bit. started in 1908, as you said. Um, and it was really an interesting start because of all of the cities in the world, I believe that the founders of Biola thought there's something about Los Angeles that has potential for the future. It was emerging as one of the world's most imaginative cities. You know, obviously Hollywood right. was just kind of coming into vogue around that time. And it was emerging as one of the most globalized cities. People were coming from around the world and continue to do so. So in the wisdom of these founders, nothing wrong with Bismarck, North Dakota, but they decided L.A. would be a place to have a strong Christian university. And so... Uh, when Lyman Stewart and T.C. Horton and others started this school back on the corner of 6th and Hope Street in downtown Los Angeles, uh, they, were, they were leaders with a mission. And um, I spent a lot of time during COVID like, pouring over documents and talking to historians and reading old articles and listening to histories to find out, like, what was it about those founders that they wanted to establish at the very core of this institution, and what a journey that's been. And so I, I, I'm looking at our founding ideals, and I'm asking myself, like, do they still matter today? I answer the question with yes. And then, like, how are we going to still live into them? I'll, I can talk to you more about those, but that, that in a nutshell is what does it mean to be a university that um, doesn't abide in its past, but it anchors itself in its past. And I think that's what we need more and more in universities today. Yeah, I think that you're right about that, and that is something that is uh, so important today. One of the things I think our listeners, maybe some of them are asking or thinking about, is, is Biola still a school that upholds biblical principles, a biblical worldview? How would you comment on that today? Yeah, I, I comment on that with an unequivocal yes and amen. I was with a group speaking to them last night and just... Uh, you know, joking a little bit, saying, you know, Biola, as you noted, started as the Bible Institute of Los Angeles. And we're not an institute anymore. We're a university. We're not of Los Angeles. We're actually near Los Angeles. And the Los Angeles part is gone as we moved out to the suburbs in the southern part of L.A. County. So 
Um, the I-O-L-A don't really work anymore, but the B does, and, and, and it does in some very significant ways. Uh, our students take a significant number of courses in, in biblical studies, theology, and Christian thought. It's integrated into their major, into their um, core curriculum, into the, um, our co-curriculum. Yeah. Um, all of our faculty, staff, and students come as Jesus followers from all different uh, walks of life. Our faculty hold on to the same articles of faith that R.A. Torrey helped write a uh, hundred years ago, and they have not changed by one word. And then we spend a lot of time helping our faculty um, integrate um, their discipline um, into a biblical worldview. Many of them do it naturally because they've come from Christian colleges or seminaries. Others of them, you know, love Jesus and, you know, are, are committed to the Scriptures and to, and to the local church, but maybe their education has been places where there hasn't been uh, a, a kind of a Christ-centered approach to higher education, and, and they come eager to learn. And so um, I, 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 I interview every faculty member that's coming for a full-time appointment, and, and they're coming to Biola from places like Duke and, and, and Cornell and Princeton yeah. and Stanford and, and USC and Notre Dame, and, and, and they come to Biola because they don't have to separate their faith and their scholarship. And that's, I think, it's that whole cohesive, integrative model that makes Biola so special, and at the heart of everything that we do, at the heart of everything that we do, is an unwavering commitment to the authority of God's Word, and and I, that, you know, we need that more than ever. We do need that more than ever, and I think it's impressive that you said that uh, your articles, what are your articles of faith have not changed in all these years? You know, the, the Scripture doesn't change, and I think, I think by not changing that, it also gives you, and tell me if you, uh, you know, agree with this, but I would think that this gives your school and the professors and the students, because you have this this principle that's been written down and held to, it also allows you to have conversation when people bring other ideas and they want to explore things that might be controversial today. We have to talk about those things. We have to teach our kids and, and be able to have an intelligent conversation about the challenges to our faith that uh, each generation has a little bit different. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, because I think that is a very consequential statement that, that, that you made. Um, you know, we're a university. Yes. We're a place where people need to wrestle with ideas. Uh, we're not some kind of indoctrination boot camp, but we expect students to, to grow and mature mm. and develop the life of the mind, and certainly the life of the soul as well. Um, and you do that by, um, you know, wrestling through the world of ideas. Um, we happen to have a certain framework that we help students realize that, you know, all things were created by Christ and for Christ and in Christ and through Christ, uh, and, and all truth is indeed um, God's truth. Um, but but, but we, we do that with, a, with, a, um, with what I call, and, you know, some of my friends at Biola probably have heard me say this too many times, we do that with a commitment to firm centers and soft edges. And by firm centers, like... Like, we need to, like, really spend time thinking deeply about what is true, especially the way God intended things to be. Yeah. There's a, like you said, there's a timelessness and, 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 a, and, a, and a, a transcendency to the eternal truths of God's Word and the way He designed the world and how He set things up. And we need to be committed to that so that when you leave Biola, you say, you know, I've really wrestled through ideas, and I believe that this is the way God intended things to be, and this is what His Word says, and I can filter things through a really strong Christian biblical worldview, and, and I know what I believe. Um, that's the firm center, but by soft edges, like, 
we need to be always in a position where we're engaging each other, those who maybe don't vote like us or think like us or believe like us or look like us, um, and, and both within the Christian community and outside. And, and too often we see those with strong convictions take on a posture of, of like, like, like battle. Yeah. And everything has to be a fight, and it gets rancorous, and and people are mean spirited, and we want to just kind of beat the enemy to a kind of a bludgeon pulp, and that's not what the gospel calls us to. It, that's right. We don't need to be weak on our convictions, but we need to be profoundly gracious, and and somehow I think the antidote to so much that is wrong with the world today is because we have maybe been too firm on truth or too soft on grace or too serious about grace and too soft on truth. And, you know, Scripture says Jesus came full of truth and grace, not half of each, not one or the other. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, which is truth, and love your neighbor as yourself, which is grace. Be wise as serpents, truth. Be gentle as doves grace over and over. This is the gospel. And again, I think this is what I want to see in this rising generation of thousands and thousands of students at Biola that have so much good to give. And that's why Scripture matters, but both the truth of Scripture and the grace of Scripture. Yeah, I think that is so important. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, and our guest is Dr. Barry Corey, the president of Biola University. Biola is celebrating its 114th anniversary today. And we're talking about uh, the school and um, where it is in modern times. You're talking about, you know, so many different generations have gone through the school with some different generational aspects. What do you see in the generation of students that are here now? I feel like that there's a whole lot of sort of negative uh, conversation about millennials or Gen Z. Uh, I forget what they're calling the next generation coming up. But I think it. I yeah. think it's misplaced. How do you see this group of students who you've got there at Biola right now? Yeah, thanks, Scott, for asking that question because I think this is what gets me up every day, as well as the hundreds of faculty members and staff at Biola. That we just see so much promise in this rising generation. Sure, they have had a lot of toxic exposure to social mm-hmm. media. Um, they yes. have been through COVID which has been profoundly disruptive and has actually affected uh, even the mental and emotional well-being of so many uh, in this rising uh, generation of students. Um, They have seen sometimes the church at the best and sometimes the church at its worst. Um, uh, But they're coming to Biola saying that I want to be in a community um, that is going to help me kind of overcome some of the challenges that I've had and prepare me for what's before me in life. I was in San Jose a number of years ago, and I remember talking to a junior in high school there, and I said, how are you going to make your decision about where to go to college? He said, it's simple, two questions. Where do I want to be when I'm at my best? And where do I want to be when I'm at my worst? I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, when I'm at my worst, I want, I want a community that lifts me up and doesn't drag me down, somebody that believes in me even when I'm not feeling so good about myself. And he said, when I'm at my best, I want someone to celebrate with me. I want to celebrate with those that have, like, are making accomplishments in their research, in their scholarship, in their internships, in their uh, co-curricular activities. I want to be in a place that just, like, we encourage each other. 
he was a junior in high school, and I shared that story a few years later in chapel. And like in the middle of the chapel message, saying that story, some kid yells out from the crowd, "That was me!" And, and he came to Biola, and he said, "This is exactly what I expect in a new university. There's so much potential, Scott, uh, yeah. in these thousands of." young men and young women who are at Biola, as well as in our graduate programs. And we want to be part of, um, of their formation intellectually, socially, spiritually, relationally, uh, professionally. And uh, that is a sacred, a sacred calling uh, that we have. But the, um, the, the challenges that this generation are facing, uh, this generation is facing are, are certainly real. Um, but I believe that they're coming to places like Biola saying that, you know, we're going we're gonna to get through this and through this together, and I have great hope uh, in what they can offer in terms of being redemptive voices in the brokenness of our world. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, what would you say the church, you know, you're sending people out from a Christian college, and there are lots of Christian universities sending people out. What is one of the greatest messages that you want to make sure that uh, people carry into the workplace, into their family, into ministry, if that's where they're going uh, in this time. We just have a couple of moments left. Um, yeah, yeah, I just, I just think we, I think truth needs to follow grace. Um, yeah. I think we need to, 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 to articulate in our lives a, a spirit of kindness and hospitality and listening to others, listening while wanting to learn, not listening while waiting to respond. Uh, and there's a difference there. And then I think we have an audience. I also think one of the most, the, one, the strongest apologetics of our day is to be really good at what you do. So if we're having someone that's going to go into med school at Biola, we want them to get into a really good medical school and, and to be a great accountant or a wonderful filmmaker and be actually good at their trade because no one's going to listen to you seriously if you're, you know, you love Jesus, but you're like not good at what you do and you're just kind of an, an embarrassment to the profession. So that's why we spend a lot of time on the professional development of our students as well. All of that is part of this mixture that our world needs so desperately. Yeah. Well, all those things matter. And we live, we live in such a uh, challenging world. I'm grateful for what you do uh, and uh, what Biola has meant to uh, a whole lot of people. And uh, um, Dr. Corey, I want to thank you for being with us today on Southern California Live, and congratulations on 114 years, uh, not you personally, but uh, Biola University. <laughs> Thanks, Scott, and say hi to your mom and dad for me. I will do that. Thank you. Dr. Barry Corey, ladies and gentlemen, joining us today on Southern California Live. You know, there's so many things going on in the world today, and obviously the biggest news that we've got is the war in Ukraine and uh, the tragic circumstances of that. And we have seen... You know, in recent days, I asked the question, too, about young people, because I think that we, we worry about the younger generation not being able to cope with the pressures of today and the, the concerns about war and economy, things that they haven't seen. And yet, at the same time, we should remember that God is in control and God is developing a generation that will be the right generation for the church during this time. And look at these Christians and what they're doing in Ukraine right now. I'm so impressed with with so many different people who are brave, who have, have been courageous, and we're seeing that in the seminaries and the schools in Ukraine right now. We're seeing people who are well-educated, who understand the a biblical worldview and a biblical idea of what's going on, and part of that and part of what we see in Christian education, what we should see in any biblical education, 
is the worldview that says I need to be there for suffering people, that when it's happening around me, I need to be involved. And in, in God, I think, calls some people in Ukraine, for example, right now to, to walk away, but God is also calling some people to stay and to stay and minister to the wounded, to the people who are fearful, uh, to defend the country maybe in some regard, to speak towards peace, to try to resolve these things. And throughout history, some of the best testimony of the church is when Christians stay and do this, when Christians understand the Word of God and they understand that their hope is in Jesus Christ, not the success of their country or their political party or particular perspective. And when they realize, just like Dr. Corey said, that uh, we need to have a firm foundation, but we can be soft around the edges so that we can relate, so that we can have conversations with people and not give up the truth and not give up what we're called to do and called to be like. Um, I think as we, we take a look at this and we, we hear a few things this, uh, this hour about uh, Biola and Christian education, let's keep this in mind that it's not simply what happens at a four-year university. It is the impact and legacy that everybody has, whether they go to university or not, who are followers of Jesus Christ who know the Bible. God might call you or me into a situation of, of war or a situation of pestilence or, or just a, a life situation that is so complicated where we are called to stay with those who are suffering and maybe suffer ourselves in the way that we know we can do that. What gives us confidence is that, of that is that Jesus suffered and died for us and as followers of him, we can do that for others when we are called to do that. There's so many things to think about, so many heavy subjects in the world today, and I want you to be encouraged that within the chaos of everything, the church is still looking towards a greater future, that the greatest day for you if you are a believer is always in front of you, because one day you will be with the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for for listening. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, and uh, we will be back in just a couple of moments right here on Southern California Live's Friday edition. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow here, your host. I hope that you are having a lovely day here in lovely Southern California. A little bit chilly uh, where I am, but uh, hopefully uh, still a wonderful day here at the end of February uh, for all of us. And we are blessed. We're blessed here to be in the U.S. as we hopefully are getting a better sense of right now because of what we're seeing around the world and in particular in Ukraine. And we have been talking a little bit about the future and what God's call in our life can mean. And you never really know what is going to happen in your life. Three years ago, the president of Ukraine, uh, President Zelensky, was a TV comedian. And now he's the president of Ukraine. He's fearing for his life. He is in a place of tremendous courageous activity where he is standing up to Putin's army. And, uh, and he's doing it alone, to be frank. I mean, we're, we're putting some sanctions on and stuff, but the sanctions, I think, are going to have very little effect. We may talk about that uh, just about uh, for a little while. Um, we have David James on with us right now during this segment. David James, Big Wave Dave. Are you there with me, David? Hey, Scott. 
How are you? Cold. Come on, man. 63 degrees, and we it's, think we're freezing. It's you know? freezing at 63 degrees. Yeah. You know, I might have to put on socks. <laughs> Battery-operated heated Some, socks, no Something less. like that. They probably have that. I'm going to Google that in a minute. Uh, hey, David, you've got a special guest with you, and we want to talk about uh, some things going on uh, in the world today. Who do you got? Yeah, you know, Scott, you were just talking about Ukraine, and, of course, that is first and forefront on all of our uh, brains today. In fact, my daughter Megan uh, is a student here at Biola, and uh, she's looking forward to being home tonight. This begins their spring break uh, today. Well, as soon as class is finished tonight, it's the 114th anniversary of Biola, Bible Institute Orange of Los Angeles today. It's 114th anniversary. And so she, one of the things that Megan was saying, like, Dad, you know, I'm ready to get home because I've been in this political science class and we've been talking all this stuff about headlines and news. And it's just, uh, it's just got me down. And then Ukraine and, and, and the, the Russia invading. And, you know, I said, look, Megan, you got a safe place. You're coming home and know that you're loved. And I'll try my best not to talk politics. But. When it comes to Biola's anniversary today, Bible Institute of Los Angeles, Biola University, it's important to remember that, you know, the students here are not only in the 114th anniversary in the classrooms learning what they're going to learn as far as their general assignments and their, their field of study, but how it's applicable to not only God's Word, which Dr. Barry Corey was talking about just a moment ago in the impact segment, but how to deal and cope with that from a Christian perspective. And I have an incredible professor here with me, Dr. Joy Qualls. She is all things Associate Professor of Communication Studies, Associate Dean, Division of Communications. And Joy, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Happy to be here. So what do you do? I mean, you've got, you've got students. You've got, you chair a department, Assistant um, Chair of Communication Studies. You've got all this stuff happening in the headlines that we talk about here on KKLA from a Christian perspective. How do you work that through and, and, and integrate all that with Gen Zers on campus? Yeah, well, I, I want to follow up a little bit on what um, President Corey said when he talked about this generation. We underestimate them at our peril. These students are bright. They are plugged in. They are connected to the world that they live in. And I know as a parent, I have two small kids and I worry about how connected their generation is. And yet when I see uh, students like your daughter, who is, is like, dad, I need a, I need a break for a minute. They're so plugged into everything that is going on in our world. But that plugged in aspect um, has them paying more attention than even some generations before asking themselves, how do we find beauty in this world that is full of chaos? Where is justice occurring in this world? And and how do we reconcile um, the problem of evil that generations and generations before have not been able to address appropriately? You know, it's fascinating you bring that up because as we were preparing for the segment and talking about, again, all the headlines going on, it seems like in this day, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it just literally seems like the last, I don't know, six, seven years, debate even, 
has been thrown out the window. You can't even have a nice, intelligent dialogue with anyone anymore. It's, it's just rage against rage, and yeah. whoever rages the most wins. So yeah. talk yeah. about how you do that in the classroom. And, and well, I mean, I'll tell you, it's it's tough for even those of us who do this personally because we don't check our feelings, our perspectives, our um, passions at the door. Uh, but I do think that the amplification of social media, I think the the access that we all have, I, I read a really good reminder this morning that we are not omniscient beings and we don't need to know all of the information coming every moment because I found myself just like every time I had a break from something scrolling to see, you know, is, is Kiev still standing and is the president still alive? And I just when I read that, I thought, Joy, you got to take a break for a minute. So so when we're thinking about how we respond to things, right? We got to take a beat before we engage and ask ourselves, is this a subject that warrants emotion? Because sometimes outrage is an appropriate response to things. I, I am outraged by some of the things that I'm reading fellow believers oh, yeah. saying on social media about our present situation. But if I want to be a good example to my students and if I want to help them learn how to engage this well, I have to learn to be able to take a step back and say, okay, how do I respond to this thoughtfully? It doesn't mean that it lacks um, anger or frustration or any of those things, but it, but am I popping off because I want to get into the present information cycle right? or do I want to actually be able to engage thoughtfully? So talk about that. You know, we've got people in their cars. I mean, you know, the five is stacked, the 405, everything <laughs> is crazy on a Friday afternoon. And, and actually now that we're getting more post COVID into more of a normalcy, traffic is crazy. So there are a lot of people listening yeah. just stuck. There, you you hit something that resonated with me, and okay. that is we don't have to respond or we don't have to be checking constantly for news. Talk a little bit about that and encourage everyone listening right now as a KKLA family. You know, yes, we want to know, okay, what's happening in, in Kiev right now? What's mm -hmm. happening with uh, mm -hmm. President L L Zelensky? Yeah. What's mm -hmm. happening? But we've got to just, from a, from a, a communication, debate, mm -hmm. the, the whole mm -hmm. idea of where you are in, in your department here at Biola. Yeah encourage those listening right now on how we find sanity and God's grace and mercy in all of this? Well, I, I think the first thing is, is that we have to be willing to quiet ourselves, right? Even Jesus in the moments of great chaos pulled himself away from the crowds and the crowds needed him and the crowds sought him and the crowds wanted to find him and he wanted to be with them. But he knew if he was going to be effective in his engagement with them, he also had to take a moment, right? And, and even in that, like, he didn't disappear for days on end and and then show up again. There were there were times he sought to get away and his heart melted with compassion and he returned after a nap, right? Like, I, I, honestly, I think sometimes the greatest thing we can do is get ourselves some protein and, and a 15-minute power nap. And suddenly the way we approach these topics would shift, right? Mm. And I think the example of Jesus is one that gives us a place to start from. Mm. Is there a particular, uh, when it comes to debate even mm -hmm. and this is right yeah which i love you yeah know. right so what is in the midst of everything happening and the volatile you know emotion that is there right, right. how would you encourage us uh from a biola university associate professor of communication studies how would you encourage us to have 
intellectual conversation and debate and encourage mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. not only in our own household, but maybe if we're talking to somebody that we have a difference with. Right. That, I think the first thing that we have to remember is that a vital aspect of the communication process is listening. And if we listened more than we talked, we would be able to engage in these subjects better. So I need to be able to... Uh, Again, quiet myself, sit down, listen to people who I might already know we're going to start from a place of disagreement. But then I need to ask thoughtful questions, not questions where um, my I'm, I'm, I'm listening only to respond, where I'm thinking about all of the ways I'm going to get them after. Uh, and so I don't actually hear and I don't actually receive any of the things that they're saying, but that I listen intently and then I ask questions. So tell me more about that, right? How did you get to that place? Where did you come to this conclusion? Um, I, I had that moment this morning as I was getting ready and I happened to open up my phone looking for something else and, and my Facebook feed was open, which is always a dangerous way to start the morning. <laughs> yes. and, you know, And I saw a friend from across the country who had posted a meme about some of the present situation. And I just thought, what on earth? You know, and I wanted to just be like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, you can't be taking this space. And and so I, I closed the app and I texted her and I said, help me understand. Look at you. Help me understand. Practicing. Because I, I, I wanted to respond to all of the, it wasn't just her, right? I wanted all the people on her feed to see me say, right. what on earth, mm-hmm. right? And and we had a pretty spirited, you know, back Dialogue. and forth. We're mm-hmm. not going to come to the same place. I, I I was super disappointed. I'll be totally honest in, in terms of of the calculations that were being made. But we ended the conversation well, you know. And I just said, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to think about this a little bit more because I, I just don't understand how you're getting from point A to point B. Wow. Dr. Joy Qualls joins us here, at Biola University, on our 14th anniversary today. How exciting is it? Yeah, happy birthday, Biola. <laughs> hey, Scott, any of these yeah. uh, any of these comments that Dr. Joy has mentioned as far as talk show hosts are concerned, you know, <laughs> being able to listen and then yeah, maybe try to, to encourage our, our listeners to kind of listen to us and then we have a spirited dialogue on the air. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, I think that's really good. You know, for talk show hosts, the whole, or pastors even, the whole listening thing, it matters a lot because we're paid to talk a lot. Um, but we also have to be aware that the scriptures uh, indicate that the person who talks a lot risks being the fool a lot more often than the person who keeps their mouth shut. And there is so much that we can learn by listening to each other. And listening does not mean agreeing. It doesn't mean that you're giving up your position on something. But it does mean that you are able to have an honest dialogue um, and that you will learn. Maybe you do change your mind because we're not always right about everything. But at the same time, you need to, uh, I think that's the best advice, is that we need to teach a generation to to listen and not go off on just whatever it is that we're trying to defend that sometimes is even indefensible. Or if it's biblical, if it's about God, then actually it's totally defensible. So we have a lot of time to listen and understand um, because defending the Scriptures and defending Jesus, uh, he doesn't really need our defense um, it's, it's something that we can do. So I really appreciate the, the listening advice. All right, everybody, this is Southern California Live. And uh, coming up after the break, special guests with you. I'm going to introduce you to my parents. My parents are going to join us from uh, Arizona. I thought I'd have them. They're celebrating uh, 60 years from their graduation of Bio- Biola, but also 60 years of marriage. 
And uh, I just thought, you know what, this is an opportunity. Put them on the air and uh, let you get to know them a little bit and uh, see what we get from it. We'll be back here in just a couple of moments. This is the Friday edition of Southern California Live. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Glad to be with you today. This is Scott Furrow, your host. And, you know, for the past several months, um, I have been able to spend time with you. And a great part about this is we get to have a conversation with each other and you guys give a call and uh, we talk about the various things around the world. We really have the opportunity to reflect on some things and uh, I love that part of it. I love getting to know you and that you've been able to get to know me during this period of time. And when I knew that there was going to be a conversation about uh, Biola on the program today, I thought, you know what? Both of my parents graduated from Biola, and they graduated from Biola 60 years ago. And maybe they don't want me to mention that part, but that's the way it is. And also I realized that they also got married 60 years ago. This year, uh, very soon, they'll be celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary. So I thought, you know what? Let's have them on the show. Uh, this is Pastor Don Furrow. Pastor Don Furrow and his wife, Alice Furrow, uh, both Biola graduates, both in ministry for their whole life. He's the pastor of Trinity Bible Church now in uh, Sun City West, Arizona, but he was the pastor of First Baptist Church of Palmdale for 25 years and various other churches in the L.A. area. My mother has been with him all that time and often, most of the time, using her great music degree uh, as the choir director and music director from the church. Mom and Dad, welcome to Southern California Live. Well, thank you. Well, good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you with us on the program. You know, Dad, I was, you know, I do all this stuff on uh, that website that uh, talks to you, helps you learn about your ancestry. I won't mention the name of the website. Um, And a bunch of advertisements came up from your time at Wilshire Presbyterian Church, uh, where you were preaching, and uh, you were even on the radio quite a bit, it turns out, according to those advertisements. Did you even know that? You probably knew that at the time. <laughs> I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's it was a while ago. ago. Well, and they, you know, you might be uh, surprised if you're listening to realize there was radio back then in the day. Uh, <laughs> well, it was a crystal set. You had to put wire on the crystals. Right. A whole different uh, world back then. Dad, you know, uh, 60 years in ministry, and you're still working full-time in ministry as a pastor. What would you say some of the biggest changes have been over that time? I think probably the biggest change that I've seen is in the culture and how it's affected uh, the churches. I'm not saying whether it's good or bad. I'm just noticing the change uh, where it goes into so much more of the praise music as opposed to the uh, old-time hymns and gospel songs, that's one of the things that comes to mind first. Uh, I think other things, there's a tremendous push on evangelism, as near as I can tell, and that's always a good thing to see as well. Yeah. You, um, When you think back to your time here in... Uh in California, what are some of your best memories of uh, Southern California ministry? Well, there's there's quite a few. Um, I think probably when I was a youth pastor at Wilshire Presbyterian, 
we had to take the kids to the beach twice a week. And you of had course, to. that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And trying to keep the kids corralled, though, that was a little bit of work. But there was, I enjoyed my youth ministry at Wilshire Presbyterian quite a bit. Dr. Wright was the pastor at the time, and he did a lot to uh, really give me some insight as to the practical workings of the ministry. And that was a really good time there, and I really enjoyed it quite a bit. And you got to learn how to drive a bus. Oh, yes. (laughs) Driving the school bus was really something. I whacked off a stop sign coming to a stop. Yes. Uh, I backed in to the wooden fence where we parked the bus and knocked it down. I broke it, but it didn't fall down until early in the morning when the wind came up and the neighbor got pretty mad at me. (laughs) So you whacked off a stop sign and you're knocking down some other things in the car. I'm writing these things down. Oh, because I, <laughs> I uh, just well, just the be- kids, the high school kids, razzed him and teased him an awful lot about those things, because we had to drive. He had to drive the bus to the to and from to and from the beach twice a week. Right. Well, I think youth ministry hasn't really changed then very much after no. all this time. You know, but the reason I'm taking notes too is because I, I seem to remember once getting in a lot of trouble for doing donuts in the high school parking lot. And, yes. uh, you know, I don't remember it coming up that you knocked off a stop sign while you were doing uh, your youth directing work. So, aha. Uh-huh. tell those things. <laughs> as you well know, as a parent now, there's a lot of things that remain tucked away until Judgment Day. Oh, yes. I'm not telling my kids anything, especially. Uh, <laughs> there's a whole lot. I got in trouble once because I used to, I was three years older than my sister. So my sister, uh, Sherry is her name. She also lives in Arizona now. And um, when I was a senior in high school, she was a freshman, and I drove a 1981 Honda Civic that was called the Batmobile because I was Batman. I still am. That's why I'm, <laughs> I'm always tired. I'm out at night fighting crime. Um, the We had a dirt parking lot in the back of my high school, and I could get my sister's friends in there and spin that car around and all kinds of – and they'd scream and yell, and I had so much fun. But there must have been a day – where, Mom, you were there on the hill waiting to pick up Sherry for some yes, reason. Yes, I was picking up Sherry when I watched you do it. Yes, and, uh, you know, as a mom, you probably don't really want to see. What did you think when you saw that? Well, I thought he shouldn't be doing that, number one. And number two, what if something happens and the kids in there get hurt? Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> <laughs> I had no thought about it, but uh, I did pretty well. But the best part... Uh, and for those of you looking for some parenting advice, I don't know if this is good advice or not, but the funny part to me about that story is that you didn't say anything to me for a long time. And no. do, you remember, do you remember when it finally came up? No, I don't. Did I tell your dad about it first? Yeah, you, oh, yeah, you finally mentioned it to you. You told dad about it, and he didn't bring it up to me right away either until the day came when I got a speeding ticket. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so you you saved that one, Dad. You put that one in your pocket. I'll never forget it because (laughs) I caught a speeding ticket, uh, which was the first one of many, I'm sorry to say. I used to have... uh, That's what made you think that we just knew things and you didn't understand how we knew them. You didn't realize I'm up on the hill looking down on that road watching you do it. I had no idea. So I got the speeding ticket and then I didn't hear anything about it for a while. And then I was going to some school basketball game or something, and you informed me that I would not be going to this game because I, my license was being taken away. And uh, then you said, 
Then you said, and by the way, I'm taking your license away for a month if your mother ever sees you doing donuts in that parking lot again. (laughs) And I must have had a surprised look on my face because you didn't let me answer, Dad. You said, oh, you didn't think I knew about that. We just about gave your mother a heart attack doing that. Uh." So uh, I'm I'm definitely saving that for my kids. But it's good to know about the church bus thing. Maybe we'll learn a few more things uh, before Judgment Day. The one thing that you probably don't know, remember... When we had that big snow in Palmdale, yeah, and I'd have been in the church office, and the whole church parking lot was free. I started cutting figure eights in the snow till I knocked the back tire off. Yeah, that would have also been good to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we can get in a lot of trouble here in this conversation. Hey, just while I have you, um, I want to say this. You know, while you're on the air, I'm so glad that you're my parents. I love you. And growing well, up in you, our honey. our family has been so great. Um, and, you know, just being able to say that you are my mom and you are my dad uh, has been an honor my whole life. Thank you. Thanks. And, uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard to be a parent. And it's hard today. Sorry, I'm going to get choked up. I didn't think I'd make yeah. it. But, you know, I want you to know that. And, uh, you know, for people listening out there, you know, not everything has always been easy for you guys with us or um, each one of us with our parents. We have, you know, tremendous concerns. And I know that many of you are listening who you're, well, you guys are older. You're still worried about us. You know, I've got people in my oh, church. Definitely. I've got people in my church and probably people who are listening who are 95 and they're worried about their kids who are now 75 and retired themselves. And they're worried just the same, <laughs> probably because they're, they're doing donuts in the church parking lot. It's just that at their age, they're, they don't realize they're doing it. Uh, we've had some of that problem. Hey, and uh, 60 years of marriage, um, that's coming up here in June for you. Any marriage advice that you would give to our audience here today? I think you just have to be sure you're talking to each other and you're communicating on every level. And you're kind. Yep, I I think those are... Kind and loving. I would say, along with that, that I grew up in church and I heard a lot of preachers saying how wives should be in submission to their husband and out of Ephesians 5, but they rarely touched on the fact that the husband is to love his wife as Christ loves the church. Yes. If every husband in the world would do that, it's a lot easier for a wife to do her work as a Christian woman. That's what I would say. Yes, that makes it easy to submit because you don't feel... You feel like you're submitting to one another because of what Christ has done for you. Well, it says, and you're trying your best to make sure you're considerate of the other person. You know, our lives work, our families, our marriages, our work life, everything works when we actually follow what the Scripture has to say, and we're not just trying to make the other person do it. Mom and Dad, I'm out of time, but uh, I love you. Thank you for uh, joining us today. And 60 years graduating from Biola. Uh, sixty yes, years and it's of done us really well. Sixty years we of marriage. Very you got happy married. We went there. You got married the day after you graduated. Is that right? Yes, we yeah. did. All right, <laughs> so almost the same. On the third of June, and got married on the fourth of, of June. June. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations with that. Okay. Thank you for joining us on the program today, everybody. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm your host Scott Furrow. We'll be back with this Friday edition of SoCal Live in just a few moments. Stay tuned. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.